becoming a mum to a child who comes with a disability, it did kind of shake my world. I wish I could say that when he was born and the diagnosis got thrown at me, uh, that I was this positive as I am now and uh, accepting and positive and looking at the bright side of life. But unfortunately, I wasn't. We got birth diagnosed with Musa. We didn't know that he had Down syndrome when I was carrying him. I know they need to tell parents that they're told enough got a disability, but it's the words you choose and how you say it. I would have appreciated him to come and instead of saying I have some terrible news you know Musa's Down syndrome is a terrible at one time I thought it was terrible I did I looked at it as terrible because I thought wow how is my life going to change it's a shadow in our life and what's his life going to be like is he going to be able to do things is he going to enjoy life but the thing is you could still congratulate a mum for having this child because you know, it doesn't matter about his disability. He's a human being and we're all born with birth. And I'm so, so proud of Musa and nobody and nothing that anybody says is ever going to make that any less because he is just an amazing and incredible human being. You know, at five years old, he is teaching the world about inclusion and accepting of people who are different, you know, I couldn't be more prouder to be his mum. Having a baby is meant to be the most joyful time of your life. But for many mums and dads, it can be the hardest and at times the darkest of places. Welcome to season two of Blue Mum Days, the podcast for anyone struggling with parenting. All the stories shared here are from the heart. These are real conversations and may be triggering, so please listen with discretion. Today's episode covers birth trauma and feelings of suicide. We will also signpost you to help in the show notes. Thank you. Today's guest is Jana. Jana is a mum of three, two teenagers and her youngest, Musa, who is five. Musa has Down syndrome, hearing loss, and is fed via a feeding tube. Jana and Musa are passionate about wanting the world to know that while a life living with disability can have its challenges, the struggle comes with incredible rewards. Musa brings so much joy and happiness to the people around him amidst the struggles and challenges he faces each and every day. And I'm so pleased Jana is here with us today to share her and Musa's story. So welcome to Blue Mum Days, Jana. Lovely to have you here. Hello and thank you for having us here. Oh, so welcome. And I'm so excited to have you here to celebrate a Blue Mum Day special, which is for World Down Syndrome Day, which is taking place on Tuesday, March the 21st. It's long been an intention of mine to have guests on who are parenting children with additional needs or who are living with conditions and impairments, either themselves or the children. Because for me, it's so incredibly important that my guests and my listeners feel seen, heard and represented in every way. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. I'm sure it will be so helpful and reassuring and encouraging for so many of my listeners. Thank you. Thank you for giving us the opportunity as well. Oh, you're so welcome. And because we are living in the real world, if you hear a bit of background noise, is that Musa this yes, morning? Yeah. 
Yeah, How... he's off school today. Oh. Today because he's not feeling great he's had a really miserable night with his breathing oh little man yeah and he's woke up this morning and he's got a few spots around his face so you know he's not not having the best of times <laughs> oh are you sure you've got the energy to do this we can yeah, reschedule yeah. oh no no don't worry about it he's honestly he's got his ipad and he's got his little dolly and he's absolutely fine <laughs> oh well this is very much a podcast that's made in the real world Normally, it's my cat in the background, <laughs> meowing and interrupting everything. So, uh, no, it's lovely to hear Misa in the background, and I really hope he's feeling okay. And if you need to break at any point to settle him, that's absolutely fine too. I just have to ask you, how the hell do you look so good and polished and together after a difficult night with your oh. little one? Oh, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. And actually, that comes with... um positives and negatives too because you get people who admire that and will say wow like you know um don't you look fantastic because my thing is no matter how bad the night might have been or how I might be feeling when I go out I um, make sure I've got my makeup on I'm dressed well and it's the image I like to show outside is of a person who's got everything together but like I said sometimes it comes with its negatives as well because sometimes I have got comments like you know you don't seem like you've got a child with a disability how do you get the time to do all that why don't you spend more time looking after your child um, (gasps) you never you never yeah you'll be surprised and you know instead of getting up in the morning and putting makeup on your face why don't you spend that time with your child um Musa's happy He's a happy boy, you know, his needs are being met. And if I choose to wake up early to make sure I go out looking presentable, I feel that's my choice. And, you know, it's not, you know, something that anybody needs to feel threatened by. Oh, my God. Isn't isn't that incredible that in the year 2023, and we're actually chatting on International Women's Day, so I can't think of a more, you know, pertinent day to be chatting isn't that disgraceful that people still yeah, feel that they have just, the right to yeah, comment? And you just feel like you don't, you're never getting anything right. Um, mm. So it's like if if you go out looking like you've been hit by 10,000 buses. Like then, I do today. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll also get the comments where, you know, oh my God, look at her. Having a child with disability, look what it does to you. Oh, no wonder. And then it shows it shows the negatives on the side of our children where people think, oh yeah, look, you know, they have children with these disabilities and they end up not looking after themselves. But then you do look after yourself, but then you get told why you're doing it because why don't you spend more time looking after your child? So it's like, you you get to the point where you just feel like you're just never going to be able to do, be enough. And, you know, it is because obviously it's International Women's Day and, you know, it's, the struggles for mums is it's just so much and because of the image that we have to have for society dads can just disappear into the gym and work out work on their bodies make themselves look nice and nobody ever will comment I'll say like oh wow where do you get the time to go and do all that if anything they'll be congratulated and be told oh yeah good you know, it's great for your mental health, go to the gym, you need to go to the gym, you need to look after yourself. But it's like, on the other hand, if a mum does it, 
and she looks after herself and she loses weight or she looks nice it's always oh my god why is she doing that you know is something going on is she having an affair somewhere or why why is she trying to look after herself it's always like do we look after ourselves or do we let ourselves go but you know we're never gonna you know we're never gonna you know yeah whatever it is it's never right it's weird isn't it and it's something that we've talked about a lot on the podcast as well is either societal pressure or internal pressure that as soon as you become a mum it's like everything you do and your sole purpose is for the child and so if you do any sort of self-care for yourself I mean I know I feel really really guilty even though my husband and you know my family encourage it but it's that thing you know and I can imagine, like you say, so many um, dads going to the gym, looking after themselves, going for a run or a walk, whatever, that is seen as self-care. But when you're a mum, it's almost like, how selfish or you yeah. or you feel yeah. that people are judging you. Yeah, or where's, or, you know, a lot of times they'll be sometimes they'll be like, oh, where's, where's your child? You know, why is he not with you? But, you know, he's he's not glued to me <laughs> yeah and you are allowed to do things yeah, yeah. by yourself I, yeah because I remember when Musa was um he was a couple of weeks old I think it must have been about six weeks old and with his new diagnosis and everything it was the first time that I ventured out and I thought you know what I just need some time and I just need to um just get out for an hour and I remember just going for a walk and just going out for a bit and then I remember seeing someone that I knew and um she came to say hello to me and everything and then she was looking around and she goes where's your baby where's your baby and I'm like oh he's at home he's with his dad and his, his siblings and she's like oh my god you've left him you've you've left him alone and I'm like he's not alone he's with his dad and it's almost as if like it was a shock that I'm even out and why am I out on my own why have I not got this child glued to me and it just makes you feel like you know you just see yourself as a mum like you don't see yourself as you anymore it's just I have to be glued to my children all the time I wish people knew how badly that could sometimes affect people's mental health as well because like you don't know it's like with that time with me it was for me it was like I just needed to get out because I just want to forget for for just an hour. I want to forget this diagnosis that's hanging over my head right now and all the medications that have I've got looking at, staring at me. For just one hour, I just want to go outside and forget about it. But then you're reminded about it because you thought, because why? Where Where is a child? Why is he not with you? <laughs> yeah, and why shouldn't you be allowed time to process my neighbours are having work done on the house and they've just started drilling in the background. So just in case any listeners hear it in the background, I'm so sorry. But like I said, this is the real world and it won't interrupt what is going to be a brilliant conversation. So I really want to move on to, to talking about Musa and your experience of having Musa and what it's like parenting him. And I can't wait to learn more about him. I mean, I came across you via Instagram and I just love your videos because they're so positive and they just make my heart burst because he's such a gorgeous, smiley, happy boy. But just for a little bit of context, what were you like before you became a mum? And I, I still cannot believe you have teenagers yeah. because, because you look like you're about 20. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. I don't feel it most days, but yeah. Um, becoming a mum in general is just your life just 
changes overnight because you somehow have to become a different person with the older two obviously not not much changed because you know they were born and it was the little um changes of you know your life changing stop working and staying at home being around your child and then slowly as they grow up you kind of feel like you've got some parts of your life back again not all parts of them because you feel like you're never the same anymore but at that time I felt like as they grew up and they started going to nursery they started to go to school it's like as if I got chunks of my life back again so um I started doing things that I like um, and enjoy so like getting a part-time job spending time at the libraries at the cafes you know when they're not around me and just like being on your own you know I I don't know about other people but I do actually enjoy spending time on my own Um, sometimes I just actually like going to the cafe and sitting on my own with my thoughts and my diary and I enjoy that time Mm. Um, and it's like getting those times back again becoming a mum to a child who comes with a disability it did kind of shake my world I wish I could say that when he was born and the diagnosis got thrown at me uh, that I was this positive as I am now and uh, accepting and positive and looking at the bright side of life but unfortunately I wasn't. We got birth diagnosis with Musa and we didn't know that he had Down syndrome when I was carrying him. They do do a test at 20 weeks which I refused because you just don't ever think it's going to be you. This time I just thought to myself, no, that's not going to be us, you know. But then when he was born, we had like a, a kind of very traumatic birth with him anyway, because he stopped moving. And when I went into hospital, because he'd stopped moving, they couldn't find his heartbeat. They didn't know whether he was going to be born alive or not. So they like rushed me into theatre to get him out. When they took him out, he was basically unresponsive and um, not breathing. He was blue. He turned blue. Oh my um, goodness. And that part of it was nothing to do with his Down syndrome. It was because he his cord was wrapped around his neck so tightly that he basically stopped breathing. So as soon as he was out, they rushed him in and resuscitated him and got him breathing again. So that Part of all that was just so traumatic because I didn't know what to expect. I remember when they brought him out, even now, I can't actually look at those pictures of when he was, when they first brought him to me because he's so pale. He looks like he's not breathing in the pictures. I can't look at him. They really make me emotional when I look at those pictures and it brings back the trauma of that birth. So that part of giving birth to him was traumatic anyway, without any concern of his disability. But then the paediatric doctor did pick up um, some signs that were indicating that he may have Down syndrome. The doctor came to talk to me and my husband to say that they were going to have to send his bloods to test and things like that to confirm that he does have Down syndrome. And it was just the doctor's words. I never forgot the words, just the whole sentence. And even now, every time I remember the first thing the doctor said it makes me really sad still and I still feel it makes my heart really heavy and brings back all that anxiety so the doctor came in the room and he said I'm terribly sorry but baby has features that don't belong to mum and dad what I didn't know what he was saying I didn't even know what that meant 
vaguely I'd heard about children that were born with cleft palates and mm. things like that. And in my mind, I thought to myself, is it something like that? Is he trying to say he's got something like that? But then I looked at him because he was in his cot thing and I looked at him and I couldn't see anything like that because his face looked like his lips were formed, his nose was formed. And I thought, it doesn't look like he's got that. So what does he mean? And then he said it again. He said, baby has features that don't belong to mum and dad. And I'm like, okay. And then I just said, you've lost me. I don't get you. He said, his features look fine to me. And then he went to elaborate on what he meant. Can you see his slanted eyes? He hasn't got a bridge in his nose. And then I just said, um, I don't know. I don't know what you mean, because I said, he just looks like his older brother. I said, he's got those eyes as well. Our eyes are just like that. Some people have slanted eyes. So I don't know what you mean. And that's when he went on to say that they're all signs of Down syndrome. But then as soon as he mentioned the word Down syndrome, everything else, everything else was a blur to me. I could just hear him talking in the background, but I couldn't hear anything. So there was just a voice in the background then and nothing else. And basically he just said that and disappeared and left us to it so we were just told that this baby has down syndrome and there was nothing else I spent seven days in hospital but those seven days were just every single day it was finding out something new so constant blood tests because oh my god his platelets are too low why are they low we need to find out oh my god he's got a heart murmur we need to find out do we need to go in for heart surgery so it was like Every time you heard footsteps come into your room, it was that anxiety of what am I going to get told now? They're going to tell me something else, break something else to me. It was just such a horrible time in my life. I think I spent my whole day and night just crying, thinking, you know, I don't think I'm cut out for this life. And how is my life going to change? It's never going to be the same again. I was worried for my older two, you know, my daughter, she was just going into high school that year such an important transitionary period for children he was finishing primary school and going into high school my son had just finished his first year of high school because they're a year apart and I just felt sorry for them I just used to cry for them feeling sorry for them thinking what is life going to be like for them will we ever go on holidays will we do things as a family together or will we always be stuck in hospital what is his care going to be like and I feel there was no reassurance if you get what I mean from the doctor who broke the news that you know don't worry things might get hard but you know you'll cope and the main thing is that I just what breaks my heart is that there was never a congratulation when it came to Musa you know um when I talk about it people think it's just a small thing but it isn't for mums, you know. It makes me sad when I think that when my older two were born, um, I was congratulated for having a baby. The first thing the doctor said or the nurses said when they saw them were, oh, wow, congratulations, haven't you got a beautiful baby boy or have you got a beautiful baby girl? But that got stolen. It's a moment of my life that got stolen that I'm never going to get back because there wasn't a congratulation. The reason I mention the story of our birth, of Musa's birth and that story of the doctor, is because I really do hope and wish that it's not repeated to other mums. Like, I get people asking me when I talk about it in my videos that, you know, oh, well, what did you want them to say? Um, Did you want them to sugarcoat it and say he doesn't have 
a disability when he does they need to tell you and yeah by all means I know they need to tell parents that they're told enough about disability but it's the words you choose and how you say it I would have appreciated him to come and instead of saying I have some terrible news you know must has down syndrome is that terrible at one time it, I thought it was terrible I did I looked at it as terrible because I thought wow how is my life going to change it's a shadow in our life and what's his life going to be like is he going to be able to do things is he going to enjoy life but the thing is you could still congratulate a mum for having this child because you know it doesn't matter about his disability he's a human being and we're all born with worth. We don't have to achieve it by doing anything for people. We don't have to achieve our worth by doing anything. We don't have to do anything for people. We don't have to be anything. We don't have to do things. It's us. We were all born with it. So he was born with it too. And his diagnosis should not have taken that away from him. The doctor should still have come into the room and said, congratulations, on the birth of your beautiful baby boy because that's what he was regardless of his down syndrome he was a beautiful baby boy and is people think it's a small thing but it's not because you know it stays with people forever for life and like I said every time I remember that moment it still makes me sad it makes me sad that's all that the doctor saw in him that that morning was his slanted eyes and the bridge in his and, nose. And, and yeah, I mean, gosh, there's so much to unpack here. I mean, first of all, I'll put a link to your lovely social feeds. And the first thing you'll pick up on when you look at them is what a gorgeous boy he is. He's beautiful. Yeah. Just the words that the doctor used in that time. I mean, I can imagine, you know, obviously in the NHS and we don't want to bash doctors and nurses because they do incredible work. But... My goodness, what a choice of words. And the fact that he said, I'm terribly sorry. You know, yes, Moose has conditions and impairments, but that is not the only part of who he is. It's one of the many factors that make up that beautiful yeah. boy. And just putting it as, I'm terribly sorry, as if it's like a, a death sentence or a life sentence yeah. is, is disgraceful. And words really, really matter. It just makes me so angry. Makes me so angry. And I will put into the show notes the details of an incredible lady that I've also connected with on Instagram who spends her time putting together little packs. I wish I could remember her name right now, but she puts together little sort of mini suitcases for parents and mums especially to go into hospital who have just received the diagnosis for their baby to sort of offer them hope and say, this is the support yeah. you will need. These are some of the challenges yes. you may be facing in the days, weeks, months, years to come. But also to say it's okay, you know, that that living with yeah. a child who has Downs, you know, can be such a joyful, wonderful gift. And all babies are gifts. All babies are gifts. Yes. And also that, you know, um, I, I also do get like, you know, a lot of mums that are, have had a new diagnosis and are struggling will always um I'll get I've, I've had a few messages where people have said you know you're so grateful for him being in your life and you show it in 
in your videos and your posts and you know you're so positive about even the things that he can't do you're so positive about it you know but I can't seem to find that I'm not there and I just wish that people would know that you know you don't have to it's not a race to be accepting or see the positive side of your child's disability it's not a race you don't have to do it at a certain time you know we're all different we all see life differently some of us are molded by our faith which gives us hope and we see it through that way some people are molded by positivity around them their family members you know we all are different so find your peace at your time and you will you will get there as a mum of a child with a disability you will get there you will feel that strength and it will come to you but also don't deprive yourself of that time where you just want to be sad you know even now I have days where I just want to be sad about something it might be anything I might hear a child call his mum mum outside in the supermarket and I might want to spend a day being just sad that I don't get to hear that from Musa because he can't talk so give yourself time to grieve because you know we don't have to deprive ourselves from that and that's another thing society does to women it's just like they want us to just get on with it and show a brave face but we don't have to be brave all the time you know we can be falling apart and that's Mm. okay as well because we can pick ourselves up again slowly we will and in our own time we don't have to do it nobody has to do it because they see me being positive I've had my times I've had my time when Musa was little and I've cried all day I haven't left the house for weeks sometimes because I've just been so upset and so sad that you know my life is has changed so much and I've got all these things to carry with me when I go outside but you know five years later I'm a different person now but I have lived that grief you know it's still there and I had to go through it to become who I am today and I never would have been who I am today if I didn't go through that so it's like when people look at Musa and they think you know I can be told he's he's a burden for me but I I just think to myself I'm actually not the person I was five years ago before Musa was born I'm you know, I can hold my hand on my heart and say that I've always been kind and empathetic. But Musa came and kind of developed that. He made me kinder. He made me more empathetic. You know, before I'd walk down the street and I'd never noticed probably a child in a wheelchair or a child with a feeding tube stuck on his face or, you know, even anything. I wouldn't notice things because it wasn't something that was in my life but now because of Muslim because of what I've been shown through his life I even see backpacks and I straight away I know oh my god that mum's got a feeding tube that mum's got a feeding pump and I'll go that way on purpose just to say hello just to say oh wow yeah we have that we have that feeding pump we have that bag just because you know he's brought that out of me I wouldn't have done this if if he was in my life people don't realize that as much as there are challenges and there are hard days you know 
the reward is much greater because it's who it molds you into. It's like I was so worried about the older two when he was first born because I thought, oh, you know, their life's going to be a disaster or they're never going to do things or they're also going to be stuck in hospital, I'm never going to be able to be there for them at times that they need me because I'm always going to be doing things and be busy. But it's molded them into different people. It's like my daughter, I overheard her when she was leaving school and she had a meeting with college and I was in the kitchen and she was having an interview for college and the lady asked her about why we chose to do this course but what do you hope to achieve from it and she said oh um well by the way I've got a little brother and he's four years old and he's got down syndrome he's got hearing loss and eventually when I finish uni I want to become a speech and language therapist because I want to help other families that are like our family who have someone in their life who's um, struggling to speak and I just thought to myself you know this is what I mean that these children come and mold people in their lives to actually be the best version of themselves would my daughter ever think to do something like that and contribute to society in such a way if Musa wasn't her role model so I refuse to see that as a burden because a burden doesn't make things better. A burden makes things worse. So, um, no, he's not a burden, actually. He is what makes our family and us as a family go out into the world and give the world more than we were ever giving before. Oh, my goodness. Uh, You must be so proud of your daughter as well. I am. I'm so proud of her, honestly. I'm so proud of her. Even my son, it's like, you know, people see me and they think, oh, wow. It's like, you know, because recently I have been sharing my journey of my weight loss and my walking and my running. And I'll always get mum saying, oh, you know, where do you get the time? And, you know, how do you do it around Musa and everything? And it's, you know, I always say a big part of my self-care and how much time I am able to give to myself are my older two. And if it wasn't for them, I'd be lost because, you know, that time when I remember when Musa was born, I thought, you know, maybe this was the wrong time to have a child, another one, because they, they've they grown up now and he's going to be so little and now we're stuck with a disability as well. And it's just going to be hard on them and they're never going to bond with him properly. But it's totally the opposite because if it actually, if it wasn't for them in my life, I would struggle more now because because I've got them they're like my hands and you know it's like if I wake up one day and I'm not in the mood to go for a run and I remember last weekend I woke up and I was saying to my son I just don't feel like going for a run today but I should I just I just can't get into the mood of it and he's like mum just put your shoes on and just just get out there for a bit even if you don't run just go and get some fresh air I've got him and just go and I remember I did and had a nice run and came back and I just felt so much refreshed but that's the thing though it's like they're older and they're understanding and it's actually worked out perfect for me whereas when he was first born I couldn't see this side of it all I could see was oh my god life is gonna be traumatic but life isn't life has hard days I'm not gonna lie about that you know life has hard days when he gets poorly and he ends up in hospital and we're in hospital for days but life also has happy moments as well where we just catch up on a movie together and sit and laugh together those things haven't changed we still do that but 
yeah, we have Musa and we have his feeding tube and hooked on him and he's there with us. And it's, you know, people, they almost think that our life is not normal because they think that he's not normal. But our life is very much normal. You know, you'd be surprised if you walked into it. What is normal anyway? But yeah. wow, again, so many things that I really want to pick up on. So I've I've just started working with the incredible Shani Danda, who is just such a, an inspiring woman. And she's been educating me about the social model of disability, which is that, you know, our conditions and impairments aren't what disable us. It's the society how inaccessible society is and uh, that makes me really think about you know I hate this use of the word burden and and how sort of negative it was from the very first words that that doctor ushered to you the other thing is how wonderful what beautiful teenagers you have because they are so selfless and you know there's always this perpetuation that teenagers are lazy teenagers only think about themselves they're very self-indulgent actually that's bollocks and you know especially with your your son and your daughter who you must be so proud of that having Musa in their life has encouraged them to be so caring and you know I'm, I'm sure that they were brought up to be that way anyway but how wonderful for them to have that relationship with their brother yeah and you know you just think that's what they're going to go into the society with those values but in a way um I don't take credit for it because it's been shown to them by Musa so I feel like that is his credit that he has shown them that so even like when we're outside now I remember once me and my son we were in the library and he came up to me and he said mum look there's a boy and he's got a feeding tube look he's got that he's carrying that bag and then I said oh yeah let's go and find his mum and say hello to her so it's like even they know now and they know to look out for children that have got a disability you know it's it's almost like we're so excited to see them like you know yeah wow someone else like us another family like us it's nice to see that and this is what I mean that this is who they are going out into society with what they've been taught such a great lesson that they've been taught but you know it's a five-year-old boy that has molded us into these humans that we've become and I'm so so proud of Musa and nobody and nothing that anybody says is ever going to make that any less because he is just an amazing and incredible human being you know at five years old he is teaching the world about inclusion and accepting of people who are different you know I couldn't be more prouder to be his mum and it's like you were saying about you know it's not our disabilities it's you know society and there's hardly any thought of how people are going to access places so it's like even thoughts of going into parks it's not a child who's got a disability his fault for having his disability that he can't play in the park if the park has not been developed for everybody to play in there so if there's only things that able people can join in and play in in a park then that isn't the fault of his disability that is the fault of us society is making it difficult for everybody to be included whether we have a disability or not 
it doesn't even matter. We all want to be included. We all, as human beings, we just want to be loved, accepted, and included. And that's no different to a person with a disability and a person without a disability. Those are the things that we want and need to feel valued. Yeah, and it's a fundamental human right, you know, and this is the thing that is so hard to understand, that making things accessible to everybody doesn't harm anybody. It just makes things better for everybody. And why aren't all children's playgrounds being designed and developed so that they can be accessed with, you know, anyone, no matter what condition or impairment they have, that there is something that they will get you know playgrounds a joy for children so why don't you make them accessible one in five people have a disability one in five that is not a minority that is 20 percent of our population so why aren't things being made accessible for everybody for that 20 percent that 20 percent should be valued as much yeah. as the rest, you know, disabled people are so resilient, resourceful. They have so much to offer. Yeah, I was talking to someone the other day and I was just saying that, you know, people just, as soon as they hear that, you know, even with most, as soon as they hear he's got a disability, they kind of straight away they give up on people so even like with Musa when I'm out and about with him and you know people when they hear that he's got hearing loss and he's non-verbal, they won't talk to him anymore it'll be like they'll ask me or what's his name or what does he like doing can he do that but it's like you know even though he can't talk he loves to be spoken to so um I always say to people no say hello to him you know you can ask him how he is he will sign to you and say he's good you know if anything you might learn a few signs yeah yeah um, while you communicate with him so you know again you stop including people for things that you think are small but they're not small to people because how would we feel if just because I lost my voice if now every time I went outside people didn't talk to me mm. anymore instead they spoke to the person I was with and said oh how is she I'd like to be asked how are you so that I can say I'm good we all want to do that so I think that's another thing is that people hear disability and they just straight away think right well there's no point in talking to this person because they won't be able to do anything but it's amazing when you do involve people regardless of whether they've got disability or not you'll be amazed how much they can contribute you know Musa amazes me when he's out and about in the summer I remember we went to a park and there was this big um, uh, slide thing where you have to climb the stairs and then there's another kind of net thing that you have to climb a pass to get onto the slide and I remember seeing it and I was trying to not let him go on it because I just thought, I was saying to my daughter, don't let him go there because he won't be able to do that. He'll go there and he'll get stuck and the other kids, they'll look a lot older and they'll get trampled over. But he was so adamant he wanted to try that. So then I thought, right, just let him try it. So then he went and then when he got to the net part, I thought, I'm just going to stand back and see what he actually does. He might just come back because he can't do it. But Musa tries everything. He stopped there for a minute and he looked at it and he just tried to get everything in his head thinking like what can I do here I can't walk because it, I, my legs aren't strong enough but what he did was he crawled it the net part instead of walking on it he crawled it and then he he went to 
the top of the slide and as soon as he got on the top of the slide he did this to himself because he knew yeah. he accomplished yeah so he he did his thumbs up because he knew that I did that it was hard it was hard as hell but I did it and I'm here now I'm going down this slide and you know I'm absolutely amazing and he is I was in tears because I thought to myself wow I actually did not think that he would be able to to do that but he perseveres and finds ways of entertaining himself and doing things so his life isn't miserable because of his disability it's just that he is different he might have to find different ways to do things that a child that doesn't have a disability could just go and do but it's not miserable because he still does those things but may not do it like that child but He's doing it differently. And, you know, it's nice to be different. It's nice to see people doing things differently. Sometimes we, you want to do it like that as well. Because I remember after he did that a few times, there was another child who'd walked the net. And he started doing that as well, crawling it, because he thought, oh, I want to do it That like looks that. cool, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what people don't realise, is that you don't have to feel sorry for them, that their life is miserable. Their life isn't miserable. We've all got hard days, you know, it doesn't matter whether we've got a disability or not. We all have days where we just want to crawl in bed and have a good cry before we go to bed. But similar to that, their life has days where it's hard, but not miserable. It's uh, Life is still very much full of love and happiness. I think that's so important for people to hear, you know, who who may be facing a diagnosis, perhaps during their pregnancy or perhaps after giving birth who really need to hear that right Uh, now. If you don't mind just going back to the time of the birth, Janet, what support was there for you? Because it sounded like you had a horrific birth, you know, irrespective of Moose's conditions. How were you supported in terms of what happened to you during that labour? From the birth to when he was about 10 months, I'd say it was the worst time of my life. After the birth, obviously, we I was told about his diagnosis. So everything that had happened in that last 12 hours kind of like just got forgotten for everyone else because now everyone was concentrating on, oh, my God, this child has got something and we need to figure out what's going on with him. So straight away, everything that I'd gone through was kind of for everyone else was forgotten obviously not for me I was still processing mm. what actually has just happened um yesterday at this time I was sat in the cafe having a chat with my friends getting excited for my birth and giving birth to my baby and you know what what just happened now I got rushed into hospital and obviously I had to have an emergency c-section so now um it's just all that's going on and you know I'm not feeling well in myself but I've got this baby to care for now as well. I'm so sorry to interrupt and please say if you're not comfortable to talk about any of this. I can't imagine how traumatic it must have been to hear that your baby may not have survived. Yeah, yeah. And that's the whole thing. It's like when I went in and they couldn't find his heartbeat, they put me on the monitor and then there was nothing. And then I remember the nurses faces just dropped and I was like is everything all right and she's like oh I'm just gonna have to go and call the doctor and then she rushed back to the doctor and then he said we're just gonna have to um break your waters and we're gonna have to try and get the baby's heartbeat through his um, head um by sticking something on his head 
and then they did that and again there was nothing so basically it was just like right we're gonna have to go in for an emergency section. so everything was so rushed and then obviously I got smacked with this diagnosis as well I'm not exaggerating when I say I got left to deal and pick up the pieces on my own I felt like nothing was explained to me in a way that I could understand um looking back like for instance muscle was difficult to feed now we know it was because of low muscle tone because he has a lot of low muscle tone around his mouth area hence why he's struggling to speak because of the low muscle tone but because of all that going on around his mouth muscles it's not he didn't want to but he could not suck on a bottle or the breast so he could not suck to keep himself alive um but it didn't get picked up on because basically the nurses that would come in the room and say you can't go home till he's on 30 mils an hour of milk and now at that time because he was a newborn and he was sleeping a lot it was easier to when he was asleep he would just kind of like you know suck while he was asleep so I was able to get a little bit in him but I remember one of the nurses that said to me that if he's not getting the right amount of feed we'll have to put a tube in him to get his feeding now looking back nobody explained to me what this tube was going to be nobody said how this tube was going to go in him and how that he'd be able to feed from that tube. All I heard was that they're going to put a tube in him. Oh, I better just try and feed him as much as I can. I better just um, try and even syringe the feed in his mouth if it helps, because I don't want him to have this tube. I don't know what this tube is they're talking about. The fear of what this thing is. If only somebody had come and sat down, bought a tube and said, look, this is what it is. It's nothing invasive. All it's going to do is go in his nose and down into his belly. If he just, if he's not able to have enough milk, this will help him get enough milk for now. And you will work with the dietitians to either wean him off that or go mm. to the next steps, but we will talk you through that. Nobody explained anything to me. All I was told is that if he doesn't drink his milk, he will end up with a tube and all I heard was that and it freaked yeah. me out but then I was kind of like forcing him to have his milk while he was asleep or syringing it in his mouth and then eventually when he got to 30 mils he did discharges because they assumed he was having 30 mils but it wasn't that he was drinking it I was sometimes syringing mm. it in his mouth now when he came home again we were forgotten Musa got forgotten that he had down syndrome so when I was taking him to get weighed every two weeks, they'd forget he's got Down syndrome. So every time I'd go, I'd have to repeat the same thing again. So they'd weigh him and they'd say, oh, he's not putting on enough weight or he's too small for his age. And, and then I'd have to remind them that, oh, well, he's got a different chart, though, because mm. he's got Down syndrome and he's not weighed by that chart. He's weighed by a chart that's specifically for babies with Down syndrome. And then they'd be like, all right, has he got Down syndrome? All right, we didn't know that. And then I'd have to re keep continuously repeat myself. Oh, how exhausting for you to have to keep doing that. Yeah, I was so exhausted. I was so, so exhausted. I wasn't changing my clothes. I wasn't having a shower. I was just in a really bad place. And then 
after a while he kind of like stopped even drinking that milk while he was asleep now because he just couldn't I think his muscles got so weak that he couldn't even do it while he was asleep anymore so it was becoming harder and harder for me to get any milk in him so then that's when I started going to the doctors and saying you know I'm struggling I can't do this I'm struggling he won't drink his milk but yeah. because I was syringing milk in him he was staying hydrated so they just touch the top of his head and say oh he looks hydrated he's fine mom don't worry about it some babies just drink less milk and they'd send me back on my way and then it got to a point where I went to weigh him once and um the lady who was weighing him and she said oh he's dropped like two centiles what's happened mum and then she started saying things like you know it looks like we're gonna have to get him some help we're gonna have to refer you to social services or something like that what and that's when I um got really really upset and I said listen I've been coming here every single week to weigh him yeah because I'm coming here and saying I need help he's not drinking his milk not being listened to I said nobody's listening to me and you keep and now you're telling me that you're going to get so I said I want you I want you to get someone because actually I need help he's not drinking his milk and this is not normal I don't think it's a normal he's not drinking anything actually and the only way I'm keeping him hydrated is by syringing milk in his mouth that can't be right. No one should have to do this. I'm syringing 20 mils every half an hour all throughout the day and night. I've got no life. I'm not doing anything else. My God, what a pressure on you. I'm not, I'm not sleeping. I'm not doing nothing. All I'm doing is I'm walking around with a bottle of milk and a syringe in my hand. This is not normal. Somebody tell me that this is normal because it's not normal. And that's when she said, right, I'm going to have to get you some help. So she got me you know a, a dietitian but then even that there was like a six week wait for that dietitian oh my god that's yeah. that's like forever when you've got yeah. a newborn at home yeah to get an appointment and I remember then what happened was um there was a new group opening in our area it's a mum and her little boy he had a rare condition and passed away it's called Jolly Josh it was their first opening session they were opening and it was for like mums with children who've got disabilities to go and, you know, catch up, get a cup of coffee. That sounds brilliant. There'd be nurses there and people like that that could help you if you're having trouble. And I remember that leaflet was on the floor and I was in the house and I was on my own. There was me and Musa. He hadn't drank anything for, I think it was 12 hours that day. He hadn't drank any milk. Oh. I couldn't get him to have any milk. Um, the bits that I did syringe, he puked out and I was just in a really bad way I was I'd hit rock bottom by then I was crying my clothes had sick on them I had, I had a shower in days and I just I hadn't slept I was tired exhausted I'm so sorry I just I I actually felt suicidal I just felt like the only way I thought the only way forward for me then I thought was not living this life because I just thought I'm not doing a good job here and I can't see a future for me to keep doing this. I just can't do it. So um, just remember feeling really bad. And then I thought, I saw that leaflet on the floor and I thought, you know what, I should just go there because I just feel really, really bad right now and I'm in a really bad place and I shouldn't be on my own. And I don't know what forced me, but I just got out and I remember it was raining. It was chucking it down with rain. I didn't put a coat on or anything. I just got him, put him in the car seat, 
got in the car and I don't even know how I drove there. I just went there, just dumped my car. I don't even know where I dumped it in front of someone's car. And I just grabbed his car seat and I walked into the centre. And as soon as I walked in, I remember Carol. Um, she's the mum whose little boy passed, who's organised this group. And it's absolutely amazing group. They've recently expanded and gone to a place and it's absolutely amazing I'll put a link in the show notes yeah um and Carol I remember she the first thing I saw was her she turned around and she had a really big smile on her face and she walked up to me and said oh hello I'm Carol how are you and as soon as she said that I burst into tears I burst into tears and I said I need help. I need someone to help me. I'm not okay. And then Carol just, she she, she grabbed hold of me and she said, you're in the right place. Um, we're going to get you all the help you need. That's the reason why we're here. And it was from there. And that's the reason why as well that Jolly Josh is the group. Um, we do fundraising for them, you know, because it's just like, we, they have such a special part of our heart because of, the support they gave me at a time where I couldn't see a way out you know and so there was she took me and we sat down she got me a coffee and then she said oh here's Anna one of the head nurses tell her what's happening and she's gonna help you and I just said I just said I don't want to talk I just I keep telling people my story and no one's helping me no one does anything about it I keep telling people and nothing gets done and then Anna the nurse she said listen Jana you're going to tell me your story now. And I promise you, this is the last time you're going to have to tell anybody what's happening with you because you're going to actually get the help you need. So you're not going to have to go and tell anyone anything anymore. And I told her, I said, look, he's the last time I've been able to feed him was at 12 hours ago. And I showed her the diary of what I was feeding him, like 20 meals every, every half an hour. And then she was like, you shouldn't have to do this. This is not normal. None of this is normal. Oh, my goodness. How amazing. Um, I'm coming to your house tomorrow with a dietitian. You don't have to wait for the dietitian. I'm bringing the dietitian to your house and he's going to get assessed tomorrow and we'll go forward from there. And then the next morning she came with the dietitian and the dietitian, she bought the feeding tube, the one that I got told mm. before and got freaked out. And then she sat, she bought a doll. And she showed me, she put it through the doll and said, look, this is all it is, Jenna. It's just, it's going to go through his nose. It ends up in his tummy. It's nothing invasive. It's not going to need to go into hospital for it. And you just get to put the milk down his tube, you know, and he, you can have so it. So you're informed. You're, that's all you needed. Yeah, and then I looked at it and I thought to myself, wow, I didn't know what it was. All I got told was it's going to end up with a tube. And I having to fight that, I was thinking I need to, take things in my own hand and do things and then he did he ended up getting the tube in his nose and life just changed overnight I ended up getting nine hours of sleep that night because I didn't have to wake up and feed him because it, during the day I just hooked him on his feed and the pump was feeding him and it was just like I couldn't believe that this simple thing came into my life and it brought so much relief like wow you know and that's the reason why going back to when I was told at the hospital if only things are explained a little bit more I think parents would be less scared of being put into a situation because they'd know yeah. what it is so instead of just saying oh if he doesn't drink his milk he's gonna need a tube 
a tube can be anything. Where is it going to be? Mm. Are they going to have to take him into the operating theatre and do something to him? You know, if only it was explained at the time that this is all it is. It's just yeah. a little tube. And it's just going to go in his nose and ends up down his throat. And in his belly, if it comes out, we pop it back in. And that's all it is. When people don't know, they're scared when they don't know. Yeah. And and also, just think, you know, you had been through a huge trauma yourself. Um, I'm just conscious of time and you need to give that boy cuddles. So we'll wrap things up. But yeah, just being informed so that you can make decisions based on facts rather than your fear of, you know, what it may or may not mean. Um, Can I just ask, are you Muslim? Yes, yes. Because, yeah, I saw the Eid Mubarak things. And was there anything like, you know, how does your culture perceive disability or having children with disabilities? Was there anything there that you had to Um, to sort of adapt? Yeah. um, If people don't look at it through the eyes of our religion, um, that's where the problem is, that if they did look at it through the eyes of our faith they'd realize that actually our faith teaches us that god makes human beings in different forms with different languages different forms different colors and we show empathy and love and just live in a happy world together with people regardless of how different they might be but we don't society sees it in its own negative way if you get what I mean so even though the religion shows a good side of it um, people like I said view him as he's a burden and I do I do get you know people quite shocked sometimes because I blog about his life and we share our journey Um, I do get people shocked when they come across our videos like you know um they expect him to be hidden away they expect him to be hidden and not be shown to the world because is it an embarrassment that you know you've ended up with a child like that is it a punishment that you've ended up with a child like that but I refuse to do that because I want the world to see Musa and I want the world to learn from his life that you know He's a human being and regardless of how different he is, there's a place for him and his peers and people that are like him in this world and they don't have to be anything. They don't have to be like anybody to have that place in this world because they have a place in this world to live and it doesn't matter um, how little they may contribute to society. That doesn't matter. People forget that our contributing to society isn't just going out there and working. Our contributing to society is also, it's like what we mould other people into. You've just summed that up so beautifully. And, uh, yeah, I think Musa is overdue a big cuddle, yeah. I think. Yeah, he's been so good. I hope he feels better soon. And thank you so much for for spending this time with me. And yeah. Every time I see your Instagram feed, I'm just like lit up. You know, he's such a beautiful boy and what a beautiful mum you are to him and what an incredible family, you know, your other two supporting Musa like that. But yeah, what a legacy he's had. He's only five, but he's had such a huge impact on on you as a family. 
in terms of his you know legacy so uh thank you so much thank you for having us here if you've enjoyed this episode of blue mum days please like and subscribe it really does make the difference in helping other people find it and that means helping more parents thank you